step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio. It's the season finale episode. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Max behind the glass taking care of us. And what a day it has been with the NHL draft. Oh my God. Oh my. (laughs) It was still going on as I was driving to the studio, Glenn. Yeah, same with me. (laughs) Starting at 1030. And how do you even keep up? I'm used to the draft ending around one thirty or 2, taking my time at the arena, wherever it's being hosted, Doing and thing. getting kicked out by <laughs> NHL PR. I'm like, we're turning off the Wi-Fi and the power. You guys got to go. <laughs> but not this long. It's the, what now a you're driving down year. the road trying to audio text things yeah. and Doing tweet. Zoom interviews while driving and using the phone in the holster and just pressing a little quick button on the screen when I need to. But <laughs> that's the age we live in. And we're having yep. our season finale on a day when we typically be having our season premiere. Yeah, Facebook Facebook <laughs> reminded me today that this was the premiere like five years ago today. Oh, man. And now it's, we're wrapping it up. It's been... What a, a time to be alive. It's been a year. It has. We still have another quarter This last to go. day has been a year, too. Yes. Hasn't it? These last few months have been a year. Oh, yeah. my goodness. But it has been a news-breaking day. I was with Chase McCabe for Draft Night in Smashville last night, and we were ta- we were talking about what could happen during the draft. Any trades going to happen? What's going to be the movement? And nothing much really happened the first night, and we were discussing that, you know, it was probably going to be a lot of general managers talking. We know David Paul's phone's ringing off the hook, I'm sure, and that it would come into today, and things would probably hit, and we'd probably have a few moves. Well, they did. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> so as soon as the trade breaks, so Nick Benino and two picks going to the Minnesota Wild for a pick in return and Luke Cunning, that breaks and is the first Luke to be acquired from the National Predators today. The first of four Lukes yeah, to be first acquired of many. by the National Predators. I mean, if we would have known that, we wouldn't even had to watch. We're just like, we know, know who they're going to pick. Uh, just, Luke. You know, Do, control, look at all the prospects and pick out F all the Lukes. Luke. Exactly. <laughs> And there's your Preds team. That happens. And then it breaks that Kyle Turris is getting bought out, which we figured may happen, which just shows that David Poyle wasn't even able to get a, a conditional or a seventh or, you know, whatever could happen after that. Future considerations. And then the draft continued on. And then there were trades within the draft the Predators did to basically take Philadelphia's offer and get two picks in the seventh, which they didn't have to get rid of their fifth. And I had to shower in between picks because I didn't expect it to go. So I woke up and went right down to draft mode in the basement mm-hmm. with my computer and TV and everything to prepare. And I'm going, when am I going to eat? Because it's like it, you don't know how quickly it's going to roll because sometimes it's boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Sometimes it will be, well, take a timeout. We're going to take the full three minutes. Didn't know. So I quickly had my computer sitting on the bathroom floor. 
listening to make sure. I'm like, okay, they have how many picks to go before the press? Scrub, 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 scrub. Let me scrub, see scrub. how quick I can get through. Also, thank you, too, since we're shut up in the studio together. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad you prioritized and made time to shower. Well, I, I had to do that. I had to do that. <laughs> so it's it's been an interesting day just full of just interviews via Zoom with Luke Cunning, who's coming over from the Minnesota Wild, who's a young player. He's an RFA, so I'm sure that contract work is going to get going right now on that. And Nick Benino, we've been discussing for how many weeks that he is probably one of the most tradable assets the Predators had mm-hmm. in terms of that he could actually get a return yep. on what you think would be fairly even. Now there's been lots of talk of, well, two pick, picks and Benino going, but you know to take some of that cap away, mm-hmm. you have to give up something. That's basically what they did. They cleared some cap space. They also get a lot younger and a fairly comparable player who still has plenty of potential to grow mm-hmm. in, in Luke Cunning. And I just like his his pedigree in terms of playing with the NDDB. He played at Wisconsin. He was a captain there. He was an underager going to Wisconsin. So he's playing college hockey in 17, which is pretty cool to see. But I'm going to cue up Max here because I know he's, he's multitasking. Uh, we're <laughs> going to look a clip from the Luke Cunning on the NTDP and University of Wisconsin and how that just helped prepare him for his pro career. I think it was huge. Obviously, at the national team, you're playing with uh, you're playing with and, and against the best players. Uh, you know, at that age group, uh, you know, being on a team with guys like uh, Kachuk, Matthews, um, you know, the list goes on and on. These guys that uh, you're going against, being around every day, it just makes you get better and better. And, um, we had a lot of success there and um, some great times. And going to uh, Wisconsin a year early and um, you know, really pushing myself to play against you know older guys. Um, you know, being a 17, 18 year old, I, I really wanted to take on that challenge. And I think it uh, helped me grow uh, into my game and, and, you know, mature quicker. And I, I think all those steps that, uh, you know, that I took uh, really helped uh, with my development, uh, you know, on that path to where I want to be. So he's entering his fourth year as a pro, f- fourth full season mm-hmm. as a professional. He played with the Iowa Wild, obviously, before getting into the Minnesota Wild. And he had a pretty good quote-unquote playoffs is what we can call it uh but he produced a little bit in terms of what you'd expect in terms of how he's continuing to grow and mature and so if he's that solid middle six guy david Poyle mentioned in his availability that it happened so close to our show starting that we don't even have the the media available for it yet i know that's what max is multitasking on is trying to get some of that (laughs) clipped so we can utilize it because it's been such a long day but even said that maybe he could be the center on the third line there's lots of potential Mm -hmm. for the youth movement here and being 22 years old he's go into his fourth pro year exactly. at 22. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It plays into what David Poyle has said their focus is, is that youth movement. And so it just further contributes that. Um, I know Michael Russo, who's the writer for the Wild for the Athletics, said, you know, he might be a third-line guy in his opinion, but he goes out there and he works his butt off. He might not be a crazy goal scorer, but he's out there working hard. And if you've got somebody that's contributing – in that fashion, not every single person has to be a dynamite goal scorer. They just have to go out there. They have to do the job that they are supposed to do. They're supposed to play the game the way the Predators want them to play the game and get it done. So, I mean, I think you're, like you said, very comparable. Um, even when you look at points, you know, compared to Benino, maybe just a few less than he had uh, last season. But you're getting the youth. And you're getting the years ahead that Benino mm-hmm. might not have. So. Getting the youth and getting a little bit more room, wiggle room in cap space. Because obviously he's probably going to do a raise from what he was making. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless they just qualify him and accept the qualification. And er- we'll get into contract talk later, details. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's going to be interesting there, too. So uh, more on Kunin, too. The type of, I asked him what the type of player he wants to be. Because obviously he is still progressing and he's still very, very young and can continue to grow and mature. So here's what the type of player he wants to be for the Predators. 
Yeah, I think uh, a big thing for me is getting quicker uh, this summer. Um, I feel like I have a lot of good strength, but to be able to, to move quicker on the ice, uh, use my speed uh, more to my advantage and, um, you know, more more production offensively for sure and just uh, continue to continue to, continue to be, become and uh you know it's been a good a good training uh program for me so far and uh, i just want to keep doing that so i can come in uh to camp and whenever we start playing ready to go and ready to do uh what i know i can do went a little old school there with the zoom glitch sounded like he was on the turntables <laughs> yeah started to have a rhythm to it i started moving <laughs> so speed is obviously big mm-hmm. uh being young predators wanting to get faster mm-hmm. as you know we want to see every team wants to do that yeah uh, but wanting to get faster and that'll obviously progress very well and just kind of rushing right along through because there's so much to cover but a really great question robbie stanley host of rex uh, robbie and rex road have mm-hmm. to get the name because he's calling it morning drive yeah so big congrats to them but robbie uh, deals with type 1 diabetes and so does luke cunning so a very unique aspect there too in terms of same with max domi mm-hmm. that they all battle they have that challenge as well so, and i just wanted to play this because it was a great question by robbie stanley and, and how Luke Cunning did that and how he's involved in the diabetes community, too. So here's a clip of um, Luke Cunning talking about type 1 diabetes and dealing with that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it's, it's huge, uh, very near and dear, obviously, in my heart for me, obviously, having it um, here in Minnesota. I was an ambassador for JDRF, and I think it's just huge uh, to have the platform that I do playing in the NHL with type 1, um, just to be able to talk to kids or – you know, parents, whatever it may be, just to let them know, uh, you know, you can still achieve the things you want to. Um, and that's very passionate for me. I, I really want to keep doing that, whether, you know, I continue to do it here, find places, obviously, in Nashville now to to continue to do that, talk to kids, um, which I'm very much looking forward to continue to do. I think it's such a big thing to you know, the platform that we have uh, to be able to give back and, and talk these kids through the situations that I went through, um, you know, those unknowns about can you still do what you want to do. And uh, so that's very big for me. And I think uh, playing the NHL with type one, I, I don't really see anything different, uh, obviously me than anyone else. Uh, you know, it's a part of you. It's something you got to do. Um, you know, the way I've always looked at it, it uh, could be a lot worse. So, um, you know, you take it, you run with it, you do what you got to do to, you know, feel good, stay, stay healthy, do all the right things for, you know, your blood sugars and all that kind of stuff and help you have the best chances for success on the ice. And that's kind of the way I've always looked at it. So great part of the community coming in to join right yep. there too. And a big representative I'm, of it. Yeah. I'm really glad that Robbie asked that because it shows that he uses his platform positively and we get to see a little bit of what he wants to provide to the community um, outside of the game, which I think I think we can all appreciate. That's the Nashville way. Um, and it also just shows his, his mindset. It's all about perspective. Um, and so I think you can appreciate the on-ice, all the numbers and the stats, but you can also appreciate what he's going to bring to Nashville outside of that. Absolutely. So moving on from that, the other news of the day was Kyle Turris going on waivers for a, a buyout. Mm-hmm. Now to – I had some questions come in, so I want to clarify this. So my apologies if you feel like I'm dumbing it down for you folks, but we have fans that are on every different level here of the Predators. They want to know what it means. So he still had time left on his contract. When you buy him out, you still have to pay him that contract. But the way it spreads out is that the Predators will owe Kyle Turris $2 million a year until 2028. That's a long time, right? Mm Because he had four years left on the contract. So you split it up in terms of a $6 million contract. So it's $2 million 
every year for eight years. It's, however, however, that clears up four million dollars in cap space mm-hmm. as well. And so it, what David Ploy was asked by Adam Vingen about that uh, as well, and it is one of those things that it just wasn't working out here. And Poyle made sure to comment on how Kyle's a good person. You know, just unfortunate that it didn't fit. He's been good in the community. He does a lot of good work. It just didn't fit. And mm-hmm. it hasn't. It hasn't fit at all since the, the first few months of the trade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had Kevin Fiala, and they both lit it up pretty well the first few months after when he came to join the Predators in that November. And with Craig Smith. Yeah, it was just, they yeah. were on fire. But you also, you also have to think about it from his perspective. You know, he wants to go somewhere and succeed. And so maybe, it, maybe deep down, you know, he was, he was happy in Nashville. He was trying his best. It wasn't working. And you can only imagine that maybe going somewhere else and starting over fresh and getting a fresh start might realize that this was the best opportunity for him and the Predators. Absolutely, because, well, one, he's going to be getting paid $2 million. Exactly. So he's set when it comes to that. And there's going to be a team out there that for less money will want to sign him. Like, he still has, obviously, plenty of NHL life left in him. Yeah, it just didn't work It just didn't work at this, with that contract. Yeah. It just unfortunately didn't work. But and, And we go back to what has been said in the past is that, when Turris signed that contract, it's he was there was a trade and sign, so he chose to want to stay in Nashville mm-hmm. during that that three team trade. So it was one of those things he made the decision that he thought he could be successful here, and the Predators thought he could be successful here, and he chose Nashville. It was basically a free agent signing mm-hmm. via trade. So that's what hurts to see that too is that both sides wanted it, just didn't work out. So we'll see what that does. It clears up a lot of cap space. I know people have teased the what does that make Taylor Hall. Something that the Predators are going to look at because now they're going to have the Makes cap space. Very to interesting. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> and free agency starts in two days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we go right from draft to free agency. But up next, we're going to discuss the draft, what happened in the first round, and every other round from then on with some clips from some of the draft picks from the Predators. And that's up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, the season finale episode. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Max. A perfect, perfect song, very fitting. Who can it be? Oh, at right. The draft? I have the answer. <laughs> you Luke. Do. Luke. It is definitely it's Luke. Definitely Luke. Three Lukes taking the draft and adding Luke Cunning. Super mega Luke mm-hmm. is going to happen. They're going to, forces are going to combine. That's what the they're Nashville gonna... Luke Predators. Oh, my gosh. So I wanted to get this take because producer Max from Pittsburgh, he's a Yinzer. Matt Murray, I mean, that was a big trade to break the day, too, because Ottawa just big-time picks in the draft, and they go and get Matt Murray. What are your thoughts on that, Max? The, uh, ooh, I'm loud, sorry. The <laughs> the inner Yinzer in me wants to scream, we should have kept Flyer back in 17. Shouldn't have let Flyer go out there to Vegas and all that. But, uh, yeah, I, well, that was what I actually thought in a normal voice at the time, but... Yeah, they both kind of uh, expired in their current roles at the same time, which is funny to see how the Penguins move on from Murray for basically nothing, yeah. and Vegas is ready to actually put the sword in Flurry's back after they figuratively did it. <laughs> oh, my so. gosh. Wow. We're I'm just... sure that Alan Walsh, is that his name, appreciates that. Wasn't he the agent that did that? I oh, support yeah. that tweet yeah. so much. Yeah. I support anything that makes <laughs> hockey close to as fun as the NBA and Oh, yeah, the more NFL. personality. Please, mm-hmm. please. More personality. Just like, just like I, I can't wait for Igor Afanasyev to make the NHL because of his personality. Oh, yeah. Had a great chat with him last night just in terms of everything going on. He's like, Because if, if you've heard the rumors of the OHL – that they're discussing how they want to make it a no-contact league. 
And now I get the reason why. We're in a pandemic, right? You're even trying to do that in men's league or recreation league mm-hmm. to say limit your contact. But it's hockey. And even in the women's game where there's no checking, there's still mm-hmm. contact. It's a physical sport. That's yeah. just how it is. So I'm very curious in that. And he was going, how do they expect us to do that? Yeah, I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Let's sit down and show me that game. Yeah. Show me what that game looks like and then we'll talk. Yeah, and it's so, especially with how competitive people get yeah. and you're in a league you're playing you for, for spots on an nhl team you're being scouted all the time by your own team and others are being scouted for the dr- next upcoming yeah, draft yeah very interesting but he did say to watch out for the predators first round pick now twitter blew up last night because as things started progressing the first round people were saying oh they're going to take askarov they're going to take yaroslav askarov they're like no no they're going to take like jack quinn or seth jarvis or if mm-hmm. other guys drop maybe they'll, they'll take other ones but as soon as jack quinn was taken by Buffalo at eight. I went, oh, here we go. Yeah, the story changed big time. <laughs> story changed very big because then things started falling into place that Askarov continued to drop. Now, Askarov is being related to guys like Carey Price, mm-hmm. Martin Brodeur, um, Vladislav Trediak. If those of you really want to go back. You know, and the rarity of having that top goaltender in a first round in like the first that. round, yeah. Now, granted, early round goaltending picks have not worked out for the Preds in the past, but I think this might be a different story. Yeah. For this, and they're very excited for it. And I asked David Poyle about this, mm-hmm. about this pick, and if it was the guy that they wanted the whole time, and about if he was excited for him to be there, if he was surprised for him to be here. So here's David Poyle, who we just talked to, gosh, 20 minutes ago on the first pick of Yaroslav Askarov. Well, you know, that's the, the classic line, and we couldn't believe, believe that he was still there, but uh, uh uh, yes, that was that's who we who we wanted in the in the draft. I mean, there was I think there was there was three three guys that everybody really really wanted uh, in, at the top of the list. But after that, uh, Askarov was uh, was our guy. I you know I didn't know I I thought he could have gone anywhere from fourth or up to our our pick. And there was you know some conversations, and I was getting all sorts of calls from people to move uh, you know, move back in the draft and it you know it was all because they wanted to to, to get the, the goalie uh on on balance so i think uh all the first 10 players that were taken and this draft were all really good uh, so i don't think we could have gone wrong but having said that we've now drafted our future goaltender someday uh and again if you followed and, and if you watched him play or if you followed with some of the reports have been on him that people in the know have said i mean this guy could be really really special for his age he's he is as, as good as it's come i mean he's as good as any goalie at his age uh, i don't want to say ever but when they start mentioning guys like carry price and uh vasily vasily who plays in tampa bay i mean that's uh that's pretty heady company for 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 a young player so uh again it's uh, when you when you see if you've seen any of his, how he plays, his size, his agility, his flexibility, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. And what's impressive now is Askarov's already playing in the second best league in the world. He's playing in the KHL, so he's. And when we say this between men and boys, it's like he's playing against men because he's playing against guys that are way older than him that have played in the NHL mm-hmm. that have been playing the men's game for years. And he's in that league right now in the KHL with SK St. Petersburg, which is also where Yakov Trenin mm-hmm. is on loan to. And he has been doing I – mean, he's only played three games, but his goals against average is a .74 in a nine seven four save percentage with a shutout. Yeah. And he's 2-1. and one. He's lost one of those games. Look at those numbers. Yeah. It's it's wild. You kind of feel sorry for Toronto because they want it. I mean, they've been writing about him for weeks, and you're like, do you really think he's going to be lingering around at 15? But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to be able to read about 
players, right? And you you can only get so much information from what scouts see, what people see in these prospects. But something about him and the way that people write about him, he sounds like he already oozes confidence at a very young age, saying that he wants to come in, he's confident in playing in North America, he's confident in his game, and he wants to be the best. And so at such a young age, he seems like he's got a lot of confidence under him. Um, it's said that he tracks lateral passes well. He's got cat-like reflexes. Ooh. And he, I know. And at 6'3", you obviously want someone, a big body in the net. But at 6'3", they also say that he's not a 6'3 body flailing around. He's very under control. He's very, he's very methodic. He's very smooth in his moves. And he's also very uh, vocal in the game. He makes himself known in the game. Um, and he's not just waiting for pucks to come to him. So he includes himself in the game. So I'm excited. I'm super excited to see the potential. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> it all sounds very Russian. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. Because everything there sounds very Russian uh, to me. And it's it's very curious because you have a segment of Preds fans that absolutely did not. They're like, we need a forward. We need a forward. Well, the goalie, look what he could do for potential for the future. And you have different segments of Preds fans. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. And this is not a rant or anything. It's trying to, to talk people off the, the edge of the cliff. This team needed everything. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. wasn't one position that they really did need because let's look at this because yes, they took multiple defensemen in this draft. They need defensemen. Once you get past, say, an Alex Carrier and maybe a Fred Allard mm-hmm. and a Jeremy Davies, you don't know if David Ference is gonna make the NHL. Yep. You don't know about all these they they also bought out Steven Santini, who was part of that Subban trade, and that just didn't work out. And it was not going to work out. Mm-hmm. But they don't have much depth. They really don't at the, at the blue line. They don't in terms mm-hmm. of prospect depth. And you think in a few years, they're going to come up on contracts with Matias Alcoma is going to be two a raise, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And then they got to figure out something to do with the blue line and the third pair. So that means you're going to lose a prospect from Milwaukee that's probably going to be coming up like Alex Carrier or Jamie Davies later in the season to play with the Predators. So you need to restock the cupboard in every single position. Askarov was available. There's the potential there with the age difference between Saros and Ingram and Askarov that it's going to be a few years. No matter what, it's going to be a few years for Askarov yeah. playing in the NHL. It's not a situation where he's coming over right now and going to play because he's playing under contract in the KHL. So he's going to continue to develop. You see what you have with Saros and with Ingram and with other goaltenders that are in your system as well. But if you have the opportunity to draft a franchise goaltender like this, you don't you pass take it. that up. You yeah. take it, and that's the best available player. We're talking all the time about you take the best available player. Mm-hmm. At that point in the draft, according to most people's boards, given how many calls they're receiving on mm-hmm. wanting to move up and the Preds to move down so they could get Askarov, he was the best available player. Would they have taken maybe somebody else that was a forward or a defensive that was available? Might have. Yeah. But if Askarov was there, it sounds like that's who they wanted. And where do you go wrong when you, when you fill your cupboard with – a solid potential backbone goaltender, you know? I mean, look, look how the Preds fan base has appreciated so much what they've seen in Pecorine. Can you imagine if this continues and he's, he's the new Pecorine as far as Pecorine is retired, he's in the net and you've got that solid presence that you want. You can't, you can't pass up a solid goaltender in the first. You can't do it. 
Now, they did draft a forward in the second round, mm-hmm. just to, not to appease everybody, but just to ease the minds of a little bit, and that was a Luke Evangelista, and he is currently playing with the London Knights, a storied organization. I've been to a few games there. Saw Max Domi play there when he was playing with the London Knights. Mm-hmm. He also represented uh, Canada, so he's played for the national team as well. He played for the Oakville Rangers, where he played his AAA hockey, but he went from playing 27 games in 1819 with only two points to 62 games last season and 61 points. Huge jump in the evolution there for his game. And so Luke Evangelista man, I got Luke Evangelista <laughs> was was a big name right there. But Matt Patton, who's a Predators amateur scout, was one of the guys that was very instrumental in scouting Evangelista there in London. So here's what Matt Patton, Predators amateur scout, had to say about Evangelista. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's what was really attractive about him is, is his potential and his upside. I think his his uh upside is very high. Um, again, he played for a very good coach in London, Dale Hunter. Um, not very many uh, kids at 17 years old are hopping over the boards as a first PK unit uh, guy. But I think he's got more offensive upside too as well. Um, but again, just just very excited and uh, can't wait to have him uh, join the organization. So they get a forward. They also got other forwards later in the draft. They also got defensemen. We're going to talk more about that in the next few seconds because we have lots of questions that came in on Twitter. I think maybe because the season finale and then everything else that happened today, that we had a plethora of questions. So we're going to dedicate more to the draft, more to answering the questions you all submitted on Twitter. Up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Max. Boy, remember when we could travel to New York? <laughs> I know. I remember. Oh, I remember. Long ago are the days. <sighs> what, a, what a season. What a year. <laughs> what a year. So continuing on with our draft talk here, it's it's a gimme question to ask prospects when they're drafted of, who did you model your game after? Who would you look up to? Because they're young. They're at 17, 18. Or in the Predators case, and with overagers, 20. Because <laughs> they got three <laughs> of those today. And, and who they model the game after. Because it's always unique to hear from in their own words. Because... As we all know, players tend to be fairly humble or shy in the aspect of they're not used to talking about themselves as much. Some of them are very good at it. Not all of them are. But in terms of Luke Prokop, Prokop, my goodness, that's one of those last names I'm going to mess up all the time. He was taking the third round, 73rd overall. He's a defenseman. And so who did he model his game after? So here's Luke. Um, yeah, growing up was a lot of Shea Weber. Um, kind of as I grew older, though, I started looking at guys who... Uh, maybe aren't aren't as noticeable. Um, they kind of they kind of go under the radar with the extra kind of things they do. So guys kind of like Brandon Carlo on Boston, um, Justin Hall in Toronto, kind of those two players I, I modeled over the past two or three years now. Huh, Shea Weber. Hmm. Mm, sounds familiar. Yeah, sounds a little familiar there. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Shea Weber. But but I like how he said ones that are a little underappreciated, under talked about as mm-hmm. well. Meaning you can tell he looks at the game. Exactly. He's, yeah. like, he's not just picking superstar players to take a superstar players. Yeah, which you which, can appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, go, well, no, go ahead. you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, <laughs> and with him, Elite Prospects had talked about how he's one of those players that is seen breaking up plays, joining the rush. Nothing really fancy, but effective. So. And the next one, Adam Vilsby. And yes, mm-hmm. there's a W there, but he's Swedish. And Vilsby. so does Vilsby. Is, was the other defenseman he was taken after Prokop. He was 101 overall. This is the fourth round pick defenseman. And he is from Shilefto. 
I'm trying to figure out how to. I'm trying to say that correctly. Sounds like you said it right. I, I f- believe As if I, I know did. the difference, but because it looks like it should be skaleftia, <laughs> but it's shalefto. But it's never what it seems. It's never what it seems, especially Swedish, because it does have the little circle over yep. the a. Remember yeah. with Pontus Olberg. Yeah, it is an o sound. Shalefto. Berg. So I played in the Swedish <laughs> hockey league there, but he mentioned some really interesting names. One of them may be familiar about who this defenseman modeled his game after. So here's Adam Vilsby. Yeah, I don't really have like modelized my game after someone, but I've looked at the uh, other defensemen uh, like uh, uh, Shea Theodore, uh, Shane Gostisbehere, and uh, also like Roman Josie of the Nashville Predators. Uh, just uh, like uh, good skating defensemen, uh, mobile defensemen. Um, so yeah, th- those type of defensemen. So Adam Vilsby, the 20-year-old, he's an overager. He's looked over before. But the Predators, they had some luck drafting a Swede that was an overager. That was Victor Arvidsson uh, before. And that was in the fourth round when he was taken. And so uh, Vilsby, he made sure during this call that he said that he's a strong skater. He's a mobile defenseman. Like that was, you could tell the talking points he was given. When he's like, you're going to go on this call. You're going to say you're a strong <laughs> skater. You're a mobile defenseman. <laughs> and make sure to throw a shout-out to Roman Yossi. <laughs> But I do like how he threw out the Shane Gossespierre and the Shea Theodore as well because they're young players still. And so he's only a few years younger than them being an overager at 20 years old already. He's only five years younger than Shea Theodore, yeah. who's 25. But to just say he's looking at those guys because that's the evolution of the defenseman yep, and the National Hockey League. Yeah. Roman Yost, when asked about that after the Norris Trophy win, he, he was early on in that evolution, the puck-moving defensemen that are great at zone entries and can move the puck along, mm-hmm. things like that. And now you see the Miro Heiskinens, you see the Kale McCars. Or as Sam Fleming of Penalty Box Radio, Kale McCarr <laughs> says it. You're, you're seeing this in the evolution. So I'm curious to see how these guys develop. But the Predators, they spread it out across everywhere in terms of where they were drafting from Russia to mm-hmm. Sweden to the OHL to college. A little bit of everything in this draft. It is. And to go back to Vilsby, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you. it's really, really hard to argue when you've got a mobile defenseman who is putting up offensive numbers in your system. You know, I mean, right. you're getting the best of both worlds right there. And like you said, I love that, that he made sure that it was very clear the type of game that he plays um, <laughs> because that is where the game is at and that's where the game is headed and that's where the National Predators want their defensive game to be headed. So um, I'm, I'm excited. I think he's got a lot of potential. They absolutely do. So now let's move on to some questions because we have that. And I want to say, if you're listening, and because it's our season finale, I'm going to open the lines. Okay? So if you have an opinion on what's happened with, with the draft or on the Benino trade or the Kyle Turris buyout, feel free to give us a call, 615-737-1025. That's 615-737-1025. Feel free to give us a call. Don't be too shy. We don't bite. It's season finale. We want to hear what you have to say. But let's get to some questions. We're waiting for the phone to hopefully ring. This is from Come Get It Marlins. <laughs> Favorite pick and give some insight on where the moves with Turris and Benito could lead the team. It's hmm. – Glenn, do you have a favorite pick? That's hard just because it's so <laughs> – everything is so far away right now, right? It is. Um, and there's so much still to be learned. Um, so it's really hard to say, like, oh, this is my favorite. I'm super excited because, I mean, there's a lot of potential for everyone involved, but you just don't know at this point. 
right? Right. Well, here's my favorite. My, one of my one of my favorites is Gunnar Wolf Fontaine in the seventh because round of his name? because of his name, <laughs> no. but also because the scouting report said he's a Brad Marchand type of player, and so I asked him about it, mm-hmm. and I said, "So you've been compared to Brad Marchand type of player that you can be a pest on the ice but still produce, and that's what's important. And what we know the Predators have needed mm-hmm. is that they need a pest that can produce. They haven't had that. You've had a guy that could fight or mix it up." But they haven't had someone that could also produce. And I asked him, he said, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my mom said to, to don't make it easy to, to play against you and always be a rat. Be a rat be on a the rat ice. On I love that ice. that came from his mom. From, from his mom. And also did ask about the history of his name. And Gunnar Wolf, it's not a family name or anything, said that originally they were going to name him Wolf. And then it morphed into Gutter Wolf somehow. Because so just, clearly, naturally, that's the natural progression that's of the Wolf. Natural progression. Gunner Wolf. That's the best. Wolf. I'm not even making fun. I, I think no, he should I, stay in Nashville forever. And yeah, and he's going to play college hockey at Northeastern. David Poyle's alma mater. Mm-hmm. So I'm Gunner sure they had to play into it a little bit too. But I'm sure more people are going to want to get his first name on the back of the jersey instead of his. I last want name. the whole name. <laughs> it's only. I mean, it just Gutter Wolf Fontaine. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that uh, Paul should have to announce his entire name. Oh, my gosh. Gunnar Wolfontaine. I will say, I, the Askarov pick, the more and more I think about it, the more I do like it. Yeah. As well. I do like that because if you're – how often does a franchise-type goaltender come along? And it's happened before. It could be a bust. Anybody can be a bust. That's the yeah. draft. Yeah. And the NHL draft is difficult because it's hard to gauge where a 17- or 18-year-old can be in four or five years. You just don't know. It's don't. hard. But That's you why can, you don't make it. Yeah. But you can get excited about a yeah. top goaltender prospect in the first round. You absolutely can. So we'll, we'll see. And then taking some of these overagers, asking Tom Nolan and David Poyle about that too, is that maybe they're able to see a lot more film in these guys, and they're two years older than most guys that are getting drafted. And so they have a better idea of their potential and where they're heading down and their decision-making, that they're more mature. And they don't feel like it's as much of a risk to be taking them at 20 years old. So we'll see on that one. This one is from Gump and Chase, non-hockey. It is best and worst Halloween candy. Oh, wow. I didn't see that one until so now. So best, or, it's Reese's, peanut butter, pumpkins. Oh, no. Oh, yes. No. I'm just no. not big on peanut butter and chocolate combo. You are dead to me. No. You were, you were I'm alive d- and well sitting across from you. <laughs> Um, what's your zombie. favorite then? That's my favorite. I mean, what's your least favorite? My That's least favorite. My least favorite would be any of those little individually wrapped. Oh yeah, the the orange and black individually wrapped like peanut butter taffy thingy majiggers. You are sick. Are those your favorite? No, they're not. I was, okay. <laughs> I was trying be... to act like you got them both wrong, no. even though there's no wrong. A answer. lot of those individually wrapped ones, I don't tend to prefer. Yeah, I don't like those. What is your favorite then? Um. I'm. I love. I still love a good solid box of nerds, um, and I. Nerd. <laughs> I love, and I still love um, peanut M and M's. Okay. So if I have to pick a favorite, it's going to be peanut M and M's. Oh, if I only have to pick one, it it's is a, very classic. It's a good classic. Um, and then my least is everything else. No, I hate Tootsie Rolls. Oh. I, I will never ever understand. I don't know. I don't know why they're still around. I don't know how people can like them. They make me gag. I can't even look at them without getting a lump in my throat. Like, That's it's that intense. bad. I can't smell them. I don't, That's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we went ahead and got some of those peanut butter pumpkins from Reese's mm. because they were on sale. And yeah. I have already finished two packages of them. And I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just not big on peanut butter that's chocolate. My, that's my thing. The shape, But I like peanut and chocolate. Shaped Reese's. <laughs> Peanut butter cups are they, the best. They taste different when they they're taste different. They're better. Like a tree. There's or more a peanut butter. There's more peanut butter in them. 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know why they don't do this year round and have a shape like they because you have a dead space mm-hmm. after what is it Valentine's Day? I, I mean, they could do or like Easter summer animals. Easter. They could do like a shark or, or a star for the Fourth of July. That yeah, a star would be great. That would be really smart. I mean, you have Easter egg. You have I th- believe they do a heart. You have mm-hmm. the Christmas tree. And then you have the pumpkin. There needs yeah, to be something to take over gap. summer. There's a huge They need gap. to do some summer ones. Make some money, Reese's. Hey, <laughs> Make you just a star. gave them an idea. You should get money if they start doing this. Yeah, this is your idea. Should. Absolutely should. This is from multiple people. And it is Taylor Hall. Am I right? That was Jack Woods actually oh, yeah. warning that. Taylor Hall. This is very curious because the natural predators looking at potential projected cap space now is going to be well over $8 million. Mm-hmm. And but there's still some flexibility they're going to have to have, and, and it's going to be curious to see where they go with this because they're going to have to re-sign Luke Cunning, and we still don't know necessarily about Colin Blackwell, but it's looking like it's not going to happen. And then you have Yannick Weber, Corbinian Holza, and Mikael Glenland, Craig Smith, all gone as it seems. I still wonder Craig Smith because they want to test the market if they're going to test it and see. Mm, no, we're still happy with Nashville. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows with that? But there's the potential. That, that they're going to be in play. And it's been reported by multiple of the national writers that Taylor Hall could be a fit for the Predators. That they're going to make a push for him, but they can't just throw everything at him. They have to live within their means in terms of what their cap space is. But remember, his MVP year was under John Hines in mm-hmm. New Jersey. There's so a good got relationship. got the connection there. Yeah. Got the connection there. And then Matt Duchesne and Taylor Hall with potential of maybe Ellie Tolvanen. Mm-hmm. As your second line or for 1A yeah, <laughs> line as so. a line, just as a line. Yeah. There's a great potential there, too, because can you imagine a defender trying to pick who you're going to defend on that? You have Taylor Hall coming up, and it's most likely he would get probably get double teamed, which would open up Ellie Tolvanen mm-hmm. and vice versa and that kind of thing. Because people know that Tolvanen, he obviously, obviously needs some space to be able to get his shot off, but you give him space, he's going to be able to get that off, and it's an initial quality shot. But if they're double teaming him, then it leaves Taylor Hall open and Matt Duchesne just dispersing the puck however he needs to. I would like to see it as long as they're not throwing everything at it. I'd be okay with it because then it shows that it definitely has been a retool and mm-hmm. that they just want to change a few things out, which they've done, obviously, down the middle. They changed things. I mean, mm-hmm. Taurus and Benito being gone absolutely changes the way this roster looks. It does. Period. It does. And then Craig Smith being gone absolutely changes the way this roster looks. Change the third pairing completely absolutely changes the way this roster looks. Mm-hmm. It has changed. It is different. Yeah. So it is a retool, but it's not a rebuild. And the reason why it's not a rebuild is because you don't have your core gone. If it was a rebuild, you'd be seeing Ryan Ellis mm-hmm. gone. You'd be seeing Matthias Ekholm gone. You'd be seeing one of Ryan Johansson, Arvidsson, or Forsberg gone. Mm-hmm. Period. Now, anything could still happen. Yeah. But I, I don't think so now that'll be another center. I don't think Johansson's going to be gone either. They need to keep something right there. But there could still be more movement. But that's not a, that's not a rebuild. It's a retool. And I say that because you're doing it on the fly. You're rebuilding whatever you have on the fly, which is a retool. I know that's semantics. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's what I see. Yeah. Well, and oftentimes when people have been talking about Taylor Hall, you're talking about long-term contracts, uh, what that future would look like, what the amount would look like. But this could be a scenario where if it was something that he wanted, maybe for a shorter term, um, you just don't, you don't know. There's so many different possibilities of how it could shake out. He knows Ryan Ellis too. Yeah, he knows Ryan Ellis. Working with John Hines, being very familiar with that. It's also been said that he is a huge fan of just the city of Nashville itself. So there could be some incentive for him to come and Maybe it wouldn't cost. I don't know. You just don't. You never know. Maybe, maybe. But I mean, what's not to love about Nashville? You hear. You actually hear a lot of players say they're like. Oh yeah. Aside from the threatening, deafening screams of fans at Bridgestone that <laughs> they love you it. Know, throws them off their game. It's great. They, they love, love it. to come visit here. So we'll see. And, and hey, we don't have to wait that long. 
free agency starts in two we days. Don't. But yeah. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of offers and things have to happen via Zoom. So you're probably not going to see as much break right off the bat. It's going to take a little while as, they, as teams and players talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So next up, we'll wrap up our season finale of Penalty Box here to answering more of your questions. There's plenty more things talking about free agency, the draft, and things of that sort here. Penalty Box here to ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Max, the season finale, the last segment of Penalty Box Radio for this weird season that is ending in October. And Max was dedicating that song to Glenn for peanut butter cup shaped like sarks. My, like a shark, not stars. Shark, yeah. Oh, I thought you said stars. Wow. Glenn said it should be named after a summer animal, like a shark. That's oh definitely the first animal I think of when I think of summer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Sharks everywhere. I think of like, what, noceums and chiggers. Oh, yeah, mosquitoes. <laughs> and everything that you bites in mos- the south. You don't want a mosquito Reese's. That's no. gross. You want, a, <laughs> you want a thick boy. <laughs> a thick boy. A thick boy shark. Glenn wants a thick boy shark. You fit more peanut butter. That's what you said you wanted. Oh, my goodness. I'm just trying to help. Get me out of here. <laughs> you oh. said you wanted chiggers. It's going to sound like we're doing our show from a Denny's like we were accused of so many years ago. Oh, yes. <sighs> All those years ago. Sounds like a bunch of college students <laughs> that laughed at their own inside jokes from a Denny's. <laughs> Accurate. Uh, <laughs> so next question comes from Sam Fleming. I know everyone has their mind on Taylor Hall, myself included, but thoughts on bringing Tyler Toffoli to Nashville. So... I like the idea of Tyler Toffoli. He'd be cheaper, I believe. His cap hit previously was 4.6 mil. He was traded to the Vancouver Canucks from the Los Angeles Kings. He had 10 points in 10 games for the Canucks in the regular season and four points in seven games in the playoffs for the Canucks. And for the Kings in 58 games, he had 34 points. I think he'd be a good middle six player. Bring him in. It's kind of like a Craig Smith replacement more than anything else. But it just depends on term and cap hit. So I know Taylor Hall is probably the number one, but Tyler Toffoli I think would be a good fit for Nashville in terms of what he could potentially do in the second line there and putting him in a place where maybe he could succeed and also help his teammates succeed because he's had potential years where, I mean, he had a 58-point season in 15-16. He had an 18-19, a 34-point season, so not the best. So he kind of is inconsistent. Well, shock, color me shocked for something with the Preds forward, right? Uh, <laughs> but I think he could potentially be a fit for the Predators at the right price, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, you kind of covered it. Um, <laughs> it is funny because as you were joking about when you said, oh, yeah, Preds forward, I was literally thinking, you were like, yeah, comparable to like a Craig Smith, maybe Phil. <laughs> and the inconsistency, you know, but yeah, you covered it. Okay, good. So this is a multiple people I've asked this question to about Askarov and when he could be coming stateside. Uh <laughs> particularly Kyle Perkins asking this one, when do you see Askarov coming stateside and what does it mean for Saros and Ingram? So the thing with Askarov is he's still under contract in the KHL uh, for at least for another season after this one. And so he's at least two years away from coming over, which bodes well for Saros and Ingram because we just don't know how they're going to turn out yet. It takes a long time sometimes for goaltenders. Not everyone's a Carter Hart. 
and not everyone's a pecorino. Look how long it took for pecorino to bloom. It took a long yeah. time. Yeah. He was a late bloomer in his career. You need, you need more time. Absolutely. So coming stateside, I believe they're going to want to get him in for a development camp of some sort to see what he's like. But you can, you already know they're going to have your European scouts over in Russia watching his games all the mm-hmm. time to see his progress over there and speaking with him as best as they can. It was an interesting, interesting uh, post-pick thing because he had to have a translator uh, in there. And so I asked him just about being compared to Trediak and everything. And it was, he's like, I just want to be the best NHL goaltender ever. Okay, kids, set your sights high. That's the confidence I was talking about. I love that. He's setting his sights high on that ever. He's not like, yeah, I want to, I want to try to do my best. I want, I want to be the best ever. I want to be the best ever. He wants to be the goat. I like that. He wants to be the goat. So I would think two years is when you're probably looking at potential there too. And unless he's completely playing lights out, the most likely they'd want him playing some time in the AHL and getting used to the North American game. And just in terms of what the players in North America have to offer. And if he continues to progress the way we see it, he wouldn't be playing in the minors long. So I say two years. We'll see what comes from comes up from there because he's he's a kid, but he is playing in a man's game right now in the KHL. And so I know everyone's going to be tracking his stats very, very closely to see what he's doing, especially because they're trackable stats. He's playing in a league we can track. We don't get that all the time in terms of draft picks because there are picks been before. We're like, do they even exist? been three years since they were picked we yeah. haven't seen them here yeah. um i think it was a hardy hockman attell <laughs> we just didn't know like we met him for the first time last year yeah <laughs> like oh you really do it you really do exist <laughs> oh my god <laughs> max and i just made the same face yeah I'm i was sorry i was i was thinking somewhere two or three years yeah so i think that's totally totally that okay so this is one's from justin um otcher I believe I got that correct. Or Ulcher, sorry. Uh, bets on Tolvin and being the biggest surprise this season and lights the lamp. I wouldn't say he would be a surprise. I hope the expectations are that he can come in and perform to expectations. So if that's a surprise to people, that's that's great. But mm-hmm. I think the expectations are that he could come in and he should be able to come in and be like a 40-point player. Yeah. If you wouldn't have said and lights the lamp, Justin, I would have said um, the biggest surprise, like, like people were expecting him to do great and did terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. I'm like, I, I think we all expect him to do pretty well. So I hope that he proves us right, right. in that expectation that we have. So absolutely, that's so, what we're hopeful for. Right. <laughs> this one comes from Dennis. Uh, will the Preds be allowed to have a development camp? Uh, well, a lot of these guys are already playing. So if you have a development camp, they're not going to be able to come because they're either at college or they're already playing juniors or they're over in Europe. So I don't believe they're having a development camp this year in the way that we've seen it before. It's going to be more one-on-one. Uh, like, like we said, the KHL is already playing. College hockey will be starting up sometime later in the fall, earlier this winter. Junior hockey is eyeing their starts to be sometime in December. I mean, that's the OHL. The Q has been having major problems in the Q with having multiple players on teams test positive. So... We don't know. It, we They're targeting the start date for the NHL season at January 1st as the target area. Whether mm-hmm. that's the actual date or not, we don't know. But that, that zone, so not December anymore, but January, meaning training camps probably sometime in December. Uh, in two weeks, or sorry, in a week and a half, small group training can go ahead and start at team facilities. That was already released, so that can happen here in the, in the near future. But we don't know. We, we don't it's know anything right anything. now. About 2020, yeah. honestly. So did you have, Glenn, this is also a Dennis question, a favorite move done by the Preds today? Um, I love that we are just turning into a whole bunch of Lukes. I love it. <laughs> no. Um, I think I'd just like to see, not anything specific, like I said earlier, because there's just so much still out there, but i just like to see progress. I like to see forward progress. I like to see youth. Um, 
And I think that that's, you know, that's what David Poyle has been focusing on. And that's when you're at the draft, you have the opportunity to get that youth that that he's been talking about. And it's just exciting overall just to be able to see that potential down the line because we're so used to seeing the day to day, the players, you got this. But when you actually get to look at the cupboard in depth, that's exciting. So there's still a lot to learn. There's still a lot that I need to learn about people. Like you said, Justin, while we were driving over here, people are getting <laughs> added to the team and you're like, what? I got to, I got to keep up. But um, I just, I get excited this time every year because it's new. Right. Um, and it's, and it's youthful and something about youthful rejuvenation that I've talked about on the show before, something about that, it, it brings something to a team, that's whether what, they're here, you know, two or three years down the line or four or five years down the line. It's still exciting. Absolutely. That's why the draft's my favorite event mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to hockey. And we say this every year before we have to close it out. Pick one of the prospects in this draft, folks. Pick mm-hmm. one and follow their career. See where they go. Because if you start following them right now, or maybe you're following them beforehand, but if you start following them right now, imagine the feeling you're going to have when they make their debut for the Preds, if they ever do. Mm-hmm. But when they do, it's going to mean even more because you've been following that kid since their career started as part of the Preds organization. Yeah. And it's a really cool feeling to see that. Well, it doesn't mean you have to buy their jerseys or anything like that. It just means you start following them and you pick that one to be your guy. Mm-hmm. That's the one you're going to follow along to see their highlights, watch their games, and read their interviews and see what's going on in their post-game reports and just follow their career because it makes it mean so much more and it makes it a lot of fun to do yep. that. And so when so. they retire – you can say you followed their entire career. Absolutely. Well, folks, we need to wrap it up. We are not done, though, overall. You can always catch us at PenaltyBoxRadio.com, following high school hockey, college hockey when that gets started, junior hockey, and more. We'll have plenty of that going on during the offseason. We hope to be back in December if that's when the NHL gets going. But thank you so much for this tuning in this season, the second half of this season. We definitely appreciate it and appreciate all of your support. So thanks for tuning in. For Producer Max and Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford of Penalty Box Radio. Thanks for listening to us on ESPN. 1025 The Game.